Well, we're talking about being equipped in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Paul writes of the gifts that Christ gave to men, the scripture says in verse 8, before he ascended. And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. And we said, here is what the work of ministry is in real simple terms. This is my definition. It is Christ in you expressing and manifesting his life through you. Uh, it, 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 it's not dependent upon a title, it's not dependent upon a position, it's not dependent upon anything. If Christ is in you, then he is in you so that he can be expressed through you. And the work of ministry is very simple, allowing Christ in you to be seen, to be expressed, to be manifest through you. And so this is why God wants to equip you for the work of ministry, so that you can be ex- uh, an expression of the life of Christ in the earth. Amen? Equip. I took the word equip and we made a little um, acrostic of it here. And it, it means established, qualified, unified, increasing, and praying. Today we're going to talk about increasing. Amen? God is a God of increase. How many of you know this? God is a God of increase. Now that doesn't mean there's not decrease Even Ecclesiastes says there's a time to tear down and there's a time to build up. There's a time to cast away stones. There's a time to gather stones. John the Baptist looked at Jesus Christ and he said, I must decrease, why? So that he may increase. When you plant a garden, you, you, you put seed in the ground, your plants grow, you pick all the fruit, but then there comes a, a time and a season where you need to pluck up those plants so that you can do what? Plant more and experience more increase. God is a God of increase. And, and I believe that everything that God does, he does with the purpose of bringing increase. Now we're going to talk about increase today, but we're not going to talk about you know, necessarily increasing the size of the home you live in or the, the size of your bank account, though I do believe God wants to bless us. But I'm talking about the increase that the scripture talks about, the purpose of God, the fundamental purpose of God, the fundamental increase that God wants to bring to the earth, that he wants to, to, to bring through you, is the increase of Christ. He wants Christ to increase in the earth. He wants the image of Christ to be increasingly seen, increasingly known, increasingly manifest through you. So God is a God of increase. God is the author of life, and life brings increase. God desires to bring an increase of Christ. This is the increase I'm going to talk to you about today. He desires to bring an increase of Christ who is our life. Amen. Genesis 1.28 says, be fruitful. This was the command of God to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. In verse 26, just right before that, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. And so what was God's purpose in commanding Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth? It was to fill the earth with the very image of God. It was to make God known and manifest through all creation. And that purpose has not changed to this day. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, Paul says, but God who gives the increase. I can put seed in the ground. I can water it. 
but I can't make it grow. Only God can cause growth or increase to happen. That's why Paul said, Apollos is nothing, I'm nothing, he who plants is nothing, he who waters is nothing, but it is God who gives the increase. Then in Colossians 2.19, Paul is talking about not being deceived, not, not uh, being fooled by vain and deceitful and empty things. And, and don't be vainly puffed up in the mind of your flesh, not holding fast, he says, to the head. Who is the head, church? Christ is the head. Holding fast to the head from whom all the body grows with the increase that is from who? That is from God. Holding fast to the head, Christ the head, from whom all the body grows with the increase that is from God. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Life by its very nature is about increase. Increase means growth, and growth means increase. Babies are born and babies grow up. Puppies are nice when they're little, but guess what happens to them? Do you parents ever have that happen? You know, how many... Easter time's coming. You know what's going to happen? Some of you, some of your kids, it happens every year. You get those cute little baby ducks and baby chickens. Oh, they're so cute. Yeah, but they're going to grow up into big ducks and big chickens. And when they start pooping all over your porch, then you're like, man, why did I get this chicken? I need to do something with it. And then you call me. Pastor Jeff, you live in the country. Do you need some chickens? <laughs> Just to let you know, I have no chickens now. So if your chickens and your ducks get too big, just, just bring them on out. And we'll, we'll love them as long as they're there until the coyotes take care of them. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Hey, God created it. You know coyotes have got to eat too. Look, my jacket has moth holes in it. I'm wearing it though, but I said, you know, moths, moths have to eat too, right? So... God is about increase. Life is about increase. And so God's will is for there to be an increase of Christ. An increase of Christ in truth, in love, in life. We are to be increasing with the increase that is from God, church. We can try to bring increase. We can try to work it up. We can try to make it happen. But increase... True increase, godly increase, the kind of increase that God desires and God talks about and God has ordained and purposed is only an increase that comes from him. And God wants us to increase in the knowledge of Christ, in the grace of Christ, in the maturity of Christ, in the fruits of Christ, because all of these things bring an increase of his life. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about increasing with the increase that comes from God. So what does it mean to bring an increase of his life? What does it mean to bring an increase of his life? Well, to answer that question, I'm going to ask you another question that hopefully will help us to understand what we're talking about today. What does it mean for the sun to rise? Have you ever thought about that? What does it mean? For those of you that get up early enough to see the sun rise, try this tomorrow morning. Get up about, if you get up by 6.30, you'll see the sun rise. 
So if you get up and, and, and then go and face the eastern horizon, and you'll see, you'll see the, the sun rise. The horizon looks very similar than it, that it does with the sunset sometimes. You'll see the, the beautiful pink and orange if it's a clear, nice day. And then pretty soon, you will see the sun rising. And it'll come up and it'll look big on the horizon. And it'll rise, rise, rise. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe the sun rises? That was a tr trick question. I'm sorry. The sun doesn't rise. It looks like it rises, doesn't it? But the sun doesn't rise. Did you know that? The sun doesn't rise? Does the sun literally rise or does the earth move in position to the sun, making it appear as though the sun is rising? Well, the reality is the earth moves in position to the sun, giving us the illusion or the appearance as though the sun were rising. So it about 7 o'clock in the morning, got a nice big orange sun on the eastern horizon. About noontime, it's directly overhead. And that's when I've got to have my hat on because I'm telling you what, it will bake this potato right here. <laughs> but it doesn't mean the sun is any brighter at noontime than it was at 7. The sun's not any hotter at noontime than it is at 7, though it feels hotter. What happens is... The sun doesn't rise, but the earth moves in position to the sun. The sun does not rise, the earth moves in position to the sun. So the life of Christ, what was the question? What does it mean to bring an increase of his life? The life of Christ does not literally increase. Because if that were to really happen, that would imply that somehow there is less than fullness associated with the life of Christ. Or that there is an evolution of his life. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if any of you are evolutionists, but God does not evolve. His life does not evolve. His life does not increase. He is life. There cannot, there is no measure. He's not like a light bulb. I think I'll put in a 60 watt or a 100 watt. That's not enough light. Give me a 200 watt. No, listen, Christ is life, period. There's no measure of his life. There's no intensity of his life. He is life. It's just like when Moses said, God, who do I say sent me? He said, tell them I am. What can you add to that? He is God. I am he is life. There's no degree of light or life. He is life. And he is the fullness. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. He is the fullness. He is life. And so his life does not literally increase, but here's what happens. It is the manifestation of his life that increases. It's just like the sun doesn't get brighter as the day gets as the day advances, it's just that as at noontime, you are seeing the full manifestation of the sun. At 7 o'clock, you're not seeing the full manifestation. The sun is still below the horizon, but it's just as bright, just as intense below the horizon as it is at noontime. You're just not seeing, you're not experiencing the full manifestation of its brightness and its light. Amen? Are you, are you tracking with me? So it's the manifestation of his life that increases. 
The sun doesn't increase, but the manifestation of the sun's light increases according to the earth's relation to the sun. The life of Christ does not increase in us, but the manifestation or the expression of that life increases according to our relation to the sun. Our attitude, that you, you all know what the word attitude means, right? Some of you have had an attitude before. Some of you may have an attitude right now, I don't know. But that's not the kind of attitude I'm talking about. See, in aviation terms, if I have any aviators here, if I say the word attitude, you think of something totally different than, girl, you got an attitude? No, that's not the kind of attitude I'm talking about. Though that does have an effect. Attitude speaks of our relation to, our position. And so our attitude or our position for increase is very specifically identified in the scripture. And that attitude or that position for increase is in relation to the son, S-O-N. So my attitude, my position to, my relation to the son absolutely affects whether I am going to bring an increase or a manifestation, or an expression of his life. Let's look at some scripture here. Let's start in Luke 9.62. Here is an attitude or a position Jesus said we should not have. He says, he says this, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. He said, don't put your hand to the plow. Here's the plow. This is not how you plow. Looking back. Let's go through some scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Paul says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see in the mirror face to face or clearly. Let me ask you, what do you need to be looking at to see in the mirror? If this is the mirror... If I'm looking here, am I looking in the mirror? If I'm looking here, am I seeing in the mirror? If this is the mirror and I'm looking over here, am I looking in the mirror? Am I looking in the mirror? Am I looking in the mirror? No. If to look in the mirror, I need to what? I need to look in the mirror. That's not a trick question. If I want to see in the mirror, I need to look in the mirror, right? And Paul was talking about seeing in a mirror, seeing the reflection, seeing Christ. He says this in 2 Corinthians 3.18, with unveiled face, notice with unveiled face, how should my face be? Unveiled. If I want to look in the mirror, but I'm holding a veil over my face, can I see in the mirror? No. Unveiled face, looking in the mirror, what happens? Beholding the glory of the Lord. Paul says Christ is in you. When you look in the mirror, you should see the reflection of the glory of the Lord. So if I believe Christ is in me, and if I behold that mirror to see the glory of the Lord, if I want to see the glory of the Lord, and it's in the, it's in the image that's in the mirror, where do I need to be looking? Here's the mirror. 
I need to look at the mirror, right? I can't be looking back because the mirror is not back there. The mirror is ahead of me. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul goes on in that, in that book and he says the light of the knowledge, he talks of the light of the knowledge. God has shown into our hearts. He's shown a light to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? Where is the, where is the glory of God? It's in the face of Jesus Christ. To give light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Whose face should I be looking at? If I want to see the glory of God, whose face do I need to look into? Jesus Christ. Jude one twenty and 21, Paul says, but you, I mean, Jude says, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself where? In the love of God. Now, Jude is not saying do everything just right or God won't love you. See, God loved you before you were born. God loved you before you were even a thought. When Jesus hung on the cross, he loved you. When he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth were formed, he loved you. So Jude's not saying do everything just right so that God will love you. He's saying Keep yourself in the love of God. In other words, you love God. You love others. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in an attitude or a position to love as God would love. Keep yourself in a place where you can express God's love, where you can manifest God's love. If I'm looking at the world, if I'm looking at anything other than Christ, I am not in a position for God's love to be expressed through me because I'm too consumed with myself or something else. So keep yourself in the love, looking for the mercy of our Lord. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then he says in verse 25 of that same chapter, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Romans 8, 9, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who, who what? Who, who walk according to the Spirit, who, who live in the Spirit. And then in verse 9, Paul says, if Christ is in you, if you are Christ, then you are in the Spirit. If you're born again today, church, if Christ lives in you, you are in the Spirit. And this is why Paul says in Galatians 5.25 to these believers, if we live in the Spirit, so let us walk in the Spirit. So if I am now in Christ and Christ is in me, I am in the Spirit, I need to choose to walk in the Spirit. My position, my relation to Christ should be one of walking in the Spirit. Not walking according to the lust of the flesh. Not walking to fulfill something out there of my fleshly desires. But to walk in the Spirit. If I'm in the Spirit, then I need to walk in the Spirit. That should be my attitude. That should be my position. Because that will put me in relation to the Son in such a way that I will experience the increase that comes from God. And what is that increase? It's an increase of Christ's life through me. 
Have you ever noticed this about a house plant? If you have a, a plant in your house and you put it somewhere in your house, but maybe it's mostly in the shade or not in the light, but maybe it's right by a window and you got a curtain on this window, but there's just like a crack where the sunlight comes through the crack of that curtain, but the rest of that plant is kind of in the dark. Have you ever noticed what a plant will do in that situation? That plant will grow to the light. That plant will turn to the light. It will move away from the darkness and go to the light. Now, we're smarter than house plants, aren't we? We are. Even a house plant knows to turn to the light. Even a house plant knows what attitude, what position, what relation it should have to the light so that it can experience increase and growth. Now, I am a man of faith and power, as my friend Jack Ender says, not a man of paste and flour. And I happen to believe that we are smarter than houseplants. I do, church. So we should turn to the light. Our attitude, our position, our relation to the sun should be such that we are receiving the increase that comes from God so that we can grow and increase. A plant will turn to the sun, S-U-N. We are, or where are you in relation to the sun, S-O-N? Where are you in relation to the sun? That's a legitimate question. Are you in a position to express and to manifest his love and his life? Are you in a position to express and to manifest his life, his love, his very nature? Are you turned looking to Jesus or are you turned away from Jesus? Do you know wherever you are, if you ask this question, the Holy Spirit will immediately tell you where you are. He will locate you. And sometimes we go through life and we, we willfully forget. We, we, you know, human beings are real good at just kind of blocking things out. I got a problem, I don't want to deal with it, so I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist. So I just cover it up with all kinds of things. I'll get busy doing this, and I'll get busy doing that. I don't want to deal with my problems, so I'm just going to... Pretty soon, I just keep covering up, keep covering up, keep covering it up, and, and I just won't deal with it. And I may even convince myself that I don't have a problem, but I'm going to tell you what, as convinced as somebody may be that they don't have a problem, the moment you come to God, and the moment you sincerely ask God to reveal to you, God, what's going on in my life? Am I turned to you, or am I turned away from you? I mean, in an instant, the Holy Spirit will let you know, not to condemn you, not to judge you, but to convict you so that you can do what? So that you can turn to the light. After all, you are smarter than a houseplant, remember? So that you can turn to the light and experience the increase in the growth that comes from God because he wants his life to be manifest, to be increased in you. He wants the manifestation of his life to increase in you and through you. So turn your face, turn your eyes toward Jesus, not away from him. Where is your heart turned? Where is your heart turned? Have you ever 
Now, let me just talk to the guys for a moment. Me being a guy, I can relate to this. I don't, I don't know if women do this. Now, you women, listen, for all you wives out there, and even for potential wives and potential husbands, guys, how, how many times have you been in conversation with your wife? And you're sitting there at the table, and she's talking to you. And you're looking at her, and all of a sudden you hear these words, what did I just say? <laughs> and you go, um, I heard what you said. No, you tell me what I just said. Well, well uh, 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 you're busted right there. <laughs> See, you were looking at her. You might have even been looking at her. But your mind wasn't turned to her. Your heart wasn't turned to her. You were thinking about the football game or the fishing trip or the whatever it might be. Where is your heart and your mind turned to? What's it turned toward? Turn your heart and turn your mind toward Jesus, not away from him. There is a right attitude. There is a right position. There is a right relation we need to be in to the sun. And we need to turn our eyes to the sun. We need to turn our heart and turn our mind to the sun. Where do you keep yourself? Do you keep yourself in the love of God? Or do you keep yourself in the world? The love of the world, the lust of the world. Where do you keep yourself? Where do your thoughts live? Where do your desires live? I'm not saying your thoughts won't run away or they won't get away from you, but I'm saying, where do they live? Where do your thoughts come home every night and sleep? Where do your thoughts, where do you invest your thoughts? Where do you, where do you take the resources of your mind and your thoughts? And, and what do you build with it? Where, where, where are you living? Where are you living? Where do you keep yourself? Well, the scripture says, keep yourself in the love of God. God will always love you. He will never stop loving you. I don't care what you do. You can turn today and curse him and he will not stop loving you. You can refuse to accept him. You can reject him from day one and never accept him, but he will still love you even though you may condemn yourself to eternal separation from him he has prepared a heaven for you but you can choose to commit yourself to hell if you will not accept him but even in rejecting him it does not keep him from loving you so this isn't about God loving you the question is do you love God he loved you first and in loving us first, he gave us the capacity to love him in return. Do you love him? Where do you keep yourself? Where are you walking? Where are you walking? Paul said, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Are you out wandering in the lust of the flesh? Are you out just wandering around? Are you walking in the spirit? The right position, the right attitude, the right place is to be walking in, listening to, and obeying the Holy Spirit. 
If I live in the Spirit, if Christ lives in me by His Spirit, His Spirit is in me, then why would I not walk in His Spirit? His Spirit is in me. Why would I not listen to the voice of His Spirit? And don't make hearing His voice more complicated than it needs to be. Those those little impressions, that underlying voice and sensation and unction you keep having that's telling you, don't do it, don't do it, or this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, I'm telling you what, more than likely that is the Holy Spirit. How do I know, Pastor Jeff? Does it line up with this word? If it lines up with this word, then you know it's God. If it contradicts this word, then don't heed that voice because it's not the voice of God. So we need to be hearing But we also need to know who God is. And if you're not in relationship with him, you're never going to know who he is. And he's called us to be in relationship with him. And if I'm in relationship with him, then why am I not walking in his spirit? If I'm in relationship with him, why am I not listening to his voice? If I am in relationship with him, why am I not obeying him? Where are you? Are you walking in the spirit? Are you walking and fulfilling the lust of the flesh? We need to be walking in, listening to, and obeying the Holy Spirit. Because as we do these things, as we are in, because all these things are just indicative of being in right relation to God. What is our position? Where am I turned? How am I turned? And as we're in right relation to Christ, we increase. We increase in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of Christ, as we increase in the knowledge of Christ, you increasingly conform to his image. Thus, you increasingly manifest his life. The first prophecy ever recorded in the Bible is Genesis 3.15. And it's the prophecy concerning the seed of the woman. And God says to to the serpent, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. That prophecy was of Christ. God gave a promise to Abraham, in your seed. Paul tells us in Galatians 3.16, that seed who is Christ. The seed that God has planted The seed that God desires to multiply and fill the earth, it is Christ. It is Christ. And now God has planted that seed in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. And God wants to bring an increase of Christ. He wants to use you to fill the earth and to multiply that seed in that very image That Christ would fill all in all because he is the fullness of all things. And so as we grow in the knowledge of Christ, what does that mean? That means I need to have this mind renewed. My mind needs to conform to his. Let this mind be in you, Galatians, I mean Philippians 2.5, which was also in Christ Jesus. He wants us to grow in the grace of Christ. 2 Peter 3.18, Peter says, Grow in the knowledge and the grace 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. As you increase in the grace of Christ, you are increasingly empowered and enabled to obey his will and reflect his beauty. The best definition of grace that I know of is simply this. It is the power and the ability to do the will of God. Yes, grace is unmerited favor, but God has bestowed his grace, his unmerited favor upon us so that we would have the power and the ability to do his will. And his will is to manifest and express the life of his son in all things. And you are the vessels he has chosen to do that through. That's good news, church. That's good news. You didn't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but God still chose us. He wants us to increase in the maturity of Christ. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16 paints a wonderful picture here where Paul is talking about the body coming into maturity. This is why he gave gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Till we all come to the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. To the fullness of the measure of the stature. The fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children. But speaking the truth in love. That we may grow up in all things into him. Into Christ who is the head. So that from that head the whole body joint and knit together. By what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This is the maturity of Christ. As you increase in the maturity of Christ, you are increasingly expressing his fullness, growing and building the body in love. He wants us to increase in the fruits of Christ. 2 Corinthians 9.10, Paul talks about those believers who gave of their resources. And his prayer was that, that the fruits of Christ, that you would increase, the fruits of Christ, the fruits of righteousness would increase in you. Because through their giving, through their resources, they enabled the word of truth the life of Christ to continue to be spread. God wants the fruits of righteousness. He is our righteousness. He wants the fruits of Christ. Galatians 5.22 lists the fruits of the Spirit. God wants those things to be increasing in our life. He wants love to be increasing. He wants joy to be increasing. He wants peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, long-suffering, self-control. He wants those things to be increasing. Why? Because as those fruits increase, then the manifestation and the expression of Christ increase. As you increase in the fruits of Christ, you are increasingly walking in the Spirit. How will those things increase in my life? They can only increase as I choose to walk in the Spirit, as I choose to hear the voice of the Spirit, and as I choose to obey the leading of the Spirit. Our attitude in relation to Christ positions us for increase in these areas. Listen, church. And it allows us to more fully express his life. But now I want to tell you this. You cannot make Christ increase. You can't make those things increase 
any more than the earth can make the sun shine. Y'all understand this. The earth does not make the sun shine. You know, before we became enlightened, people thought all kinds of weird things. It would have been just as easy to think that as, as, as the earth moved out of way, then the sun began to shine. But as long as the earth is in the way, then the sun's not shining. You could think that, couldn't you? Isn't it amazing? Every time the sun comes up, it starts to shine. We just need to get out of the way so the sun can shine. Now listen, the sun is shining. The earth doesn't make the sun shine. And we become really good at trying to work things up. Let's work real hard to try to make things increase, to make things grow. You can't bring increase. Only God brings increase. Remember, we taught, we're talking about the increase, increasing with the increase that comes from God. There is an increase that comes from God. The earth does not make the sun shine. The earth just gets in a position for the sun to shine on it. I cannot make anything increase, but I can get in a position. I can get in relation to Christ so that he can, so that God can give the increase. So that I can experience the increase that comes from God. We can have the right attitude, the right position, and the right relationship in Christ that will allow the expression of Christ in us to increase with the increase that is from God. Amen? God is a God of increase, and God wants the life of Christ to be expressed, to be manifest. He wants it to be high noon all the time. I mean, he wants the fullness of the light and the light and the love of Christ to be expressed and manifest through you. You can't work that up. But you can be like John the Baptist who said, I must decrease so that he may increase. John said, I need to move to a position in relation to the Son of God where I am decreased because it's time for him. To be increased. Christ didn't get any more powerful. He didn't get any bigger. He didn't get any brighter. It's just that John said, I need to move out of the way so that all the attention will be upon the one who deserves all the attention. I need to get out of the way so that his life and his light and his love can be manifest freely. And it's the same for us today, church. That's why we're called to the cross because the cross cuts away our flesh so that Christ, the manifestation, the expression of Christ, of his life can be seen and known and increased and fill all in all 